0: Hi, and welcome to Episode 3 of Dancing at the Crossroads, an exploration of Irish and Irish-American culture in America. I'm your host, Kevin Ferguson, and today we'll take a trip out to the Rockaways and a strip along Rockaway Beach, once known as the Irish Riviera. strange thing to see your father when he is young enough to be your son. But there, Bob Ferguson stands on the sands of Rockaway Beach in September 1946, just a year back from the war in the Pacific. He is skinny as a rail and grips the arm of his future brother-in-law, smiling with the uncertainty that would define his life. Standing in the shadow of the boardwalk, he is literally up to his neck in Irish America. To his right is a young Oliver Plunkett Minahan, likewise skinny but strong. He'd emigrated from County Cork, Ireland at the age of four and went on to navigate bombers over Nazi Germany. He'd later return to the States and marry my father's sister, Elizabeth. To his left, John Flynn, still wearing his army cap, but with a brim turned upward in civilian protest. Towering over them, squinting in the bright sun, is Peter McNulty, part of the famed McNulty family showboat, once the most famous Irish family in New York. And just off the sand, in a rectangular grid two blocks deep and eight blocks long, with Rockaway Playland Amusement Park on one end and Gilbride's Funeral Home on the other, was the heart of Irish Town. There, dozens and dozens of Irish bars and restaurants grew in throngs of Irish and Irish American patrons every summer day. Along 103rd Street alone, there was O'Connell's, Inish Vale, the Sligo House, the Green Isle, the Leitrim House, the Dublin House, Healy's, Gilday's, and many, many others. And as the sun would fall, the dance hall lights would rise on Paddy Noonan and his fellow musicians.
1: I, in the meantime, was working down in what was known then as the Irish movie era which was Rockaway Beach. Now, Rockaway, I'm not gonna say it. it was the greatest place in the world, but there was a lot of fun happening. The Rockaway had, it was 103rd Street, was the main thoroughfare. And it was like an old Western town, you know, the buildings and you, you could walk along the street and just look in and watch the whole thing, you know. And you could sneak in and do a bit of a dance if you wanted. If you didn't want, and in fact, the strange thing about it, the Slager House was on one side, and the other side was the Leitrim House. And when they played the Stack of Barley, and I mean the Stack of Barley would go on for 20 minutes minimum, but the minute you'd finish, the Slager House would be listening and we'd start the Stack of Barley. The Stack of Barley. <laughs>
0: In the crowd was Ann Downey, who'd emigrated from County Leitrim in 1940 and settled in the Bronx.
2: Then when I got the license to drive the car, I went to Rockaway every Sunday with the two children. And we'd go in the sand in the daytime, and then in the nighttime, we'd listen to uh, Dorothy Hayden's program. And then we'd go to the Leitrim House, and there was children all over the place. You could bring them into the dance hall, it didn't make any... Half of them fell asleep and half of them didn't, but that was okay. There was no uh, no uh, word about don't have children or anything like that. And the Leitrim House was on 103rd Street, and right across the street was the Sligo House. So. We'd go over to the Sligo house, we meet the people from Interscron, a County Sligo, and we'd go across the street, and the Leitrim house was there, and mostly in the Leitrim house was the McNulty family.
0: The McNulty family was the Rockaways' biggest draw. Ma McNulty, who would emigrated from County Roscommon in 1887, her daughter Eileen, and her son Peter, the same one who towered over my father in the photo
2: and we would have a ball with Ma, Eileen and Peter. They were just wonderful. And it was, it, was, it was great, it was absolutely great. And you'd go in at eight o'clock at night and Ma would be up there all dressed up with a big, big white skirt or a pink skirt, all fluffed out in ringlets. And, and Ma and I and Peter come out and they, then they'd go backstage and they'd come out with the top hats and and dance. And it was, uh, I think I can see them yet. Stood his test And he wore a sergeant's uniform With a medal on his chest he got a two-month furlough when he started on his way His Irish eyes were dancing As the boys all heard him say Goodbye, goodbye. I'm on I'm my way, way To dear old Dublin, Dublin Bay That's why I'm feeling gay For all I know, I know sweet Molly, oh my And I had a, to see I had a sister-in-law me, And Pete McNulty wanted to Dublin take her out on He Bay. wanted to For him to be the girl The boyfriend and uh, she said, oh, no, no, no. She said, I, I, I couldn't cope with somebody as popular as you. <laughs> and she was a lovely-looking girl. She looked like Enric Bergman. Now,
1: like she was a beautiful girl. Bay when spring was in the air And he found his Colleen Fair And he hugged her like a bear He took her
2: down to Dublin Bay Where
0: Father John... Malone and it was
2: a lovely night. We'd usually go in to eat in one of the hotels, and there was plenty of places to eat along the way, but we always went up to Sullivan's on hundred and sixteenth Street, and she had always had a big roasting chickens. And they said the husband said she worked in the kitchen from seven o'clock in the morning till one o'clock the next morning chickens and roasting chickens and making sure that all the chickens would be roasted for the next day and then she had corned beef and cabbage and roast beef and she had everything. But we, we, these chickens were stuffed and they were delicious. And she was Mrs. Sullivan and she was a lovely, lovely lady and when you got a plate of food you got vegetables or turnips or cabbage or whatever it was and then you got a big, big, big roasting potato that was boiled or cracking open, floury like in Ireland, and then you'd have loads of meat on the side and you'd, uh, one plate was enough for two children and uh, the mother and father would have more their own plates in, and maybe a glass of beer. And the kids got into the car and fell asleep on the way home. And then uh, Dorothy Hayden had her programme. Night at City Center Ballroom, go with Count Mayo's tops and pops show band. And on
0: Saturday night, all we'll have a very special
1: appearing in person at City Center's
2: The Bachelors, Irishmen who are England's top recording and TV audience.
0: Despite its tightly packed nature, the Irish Riviera was not monolithic in its Irish identity. There were the Irish like Anne Downey, who, while proud of their American citizenship, clutched tightly to the culture of her native Ireland. But there were also those like my uncle from County Cork, who considered themselves fully American and never looked back. And folks like my father, a third-generation Irish American whose knowledge and interest of Ireland began and ended with his Irish-born wife. And Irish-Americans like Joni Madden, the Grammy Award-winning flutist who embraced the culture with a passion.
3: Growing up in the Bronx was an incredible experience for me. Um, First off, my father and mother emigrated emigrated to New York, but Woodlawn section of the Bronx was an incredibly Irish-American neighborhood. You were either Irish or you were Italian. And in my school, St. Barnabas, there was hundreds of kids that played Irish music. Eileen Ivers, uh, one of the great fiddle players, one of my best friends, grew up on 238th Street and I was 236th. We were probably about 15 houses apart from each other. And not only that, my teacher, Jack Cohn, lived five doors around, was around the corner on 235th. So we used to play the music and learn there and and all my friends played. But then, as we got older, we got into Cayley bands. And every Sunday, we'd get thrown into the station wagon and out to the Rockaways. And we'd hear and play music in all the pubs and play for the people every Sunday afternoon. Uh, It was such an Irish neighborhood out there. I used to go out to Breezy, I'd go out to Rockaways and hang out there. And you know what, every bit of those times really became into my fabric and my being.
0: Like the people themselves, the Irish music and dance in the Rockways was always, well, like the 40 Shades of Green that Johnny Cash sang about from every beer-soaked jukebox in the early 1960s. And while there were certainly overlapping styles, the Irish music heard in the Rockways changed with every new wave of immigrants. There were those who came to hear the Flanagan Brothers from Waterford, who lent a, a bit of vaudeville to traditional Irish music in the 1920s and
2: 30s. Of life. Ten years I am wed to a wife. She does nothing all day, only sits down and
0: cry, oh, to God oh, that she In the nineteen thirties and forties, visitors would choose between popular American big band tunes or traditional fiddlers like Patty Kiloran and Michael Coleman. By the 1950s and 60s, siblings Mickey and Mary Carton, Ruthie Morrissey, and others mastered the art of catering to the mixed Irish and American crowds. The smile
4: of the beautiful morn As it peeps through the curtain of night And the voice of the nightingale Singing its tune And the stars seem to smile with delight All made to now linger
0: in those crowds again was Ann Downey who kept a close eye on things at a venue called the Irish Center.
2: And that was uh, Ru- Ruthie Morris. She was there and Mickey Carton and Mary. But Mary Carton and Ruthie Morris, she didn't get along too good. <laughs> they were a kind of... Uh, Uh, she was protecting our brother because her brother was already married or something or other, you know.
0: The 1950s was also when Patty Noonan, who'd come over from County Cork in 1946, hit the Rockaway scene and quickly learned what this Irish-American crowd liked. Uh, Well, let's face
1: it, we were dealing with people coming over from Ireland and getting to know their Irish-American cousins and friends, and... Sometimes, you know, the Irish-Americans can be more Irish than the people coming from Ireland. In certain ways, they like to sing the old rebel songs and all that. And that's what we played, and that's what became popular. And as far as the dances, everybody did. All the girls particularly loved the stack of barley. And the Siege of Ennis, they all liked. And it's four facing four for the Siege of Ennis. All yeah. right. Stack of Barley is a very interesting dance. In Rockaway, it was a must. And you're going way, way, way back. In Coney Island, you would pay a dime to go in and they'd play an Irish dance, which was the stack of barley. Right after it, they did a Highland Fling, which was supposedly a Scottish dance. And right after that, the verse of Vienna, which they called shoot a donkey or the little foot. And that's how it happened. Could be played whenever you bought your dime and you went in, but later it it spread to Rockaway. And it's really, I would say it's an Irish-American dance. The, the tunes played for it, of course, originated in Ireland, but the music, the dance itself, originated here in Coney Island, and I would say that's probably 80, 90, 100 years ago. But that's why it became a form of, we play the Stackerbury, the Highland Flame, verse Vienna, always in a row. You never played one without the other two. And uh, we can uh, continue that tradition up in the Catskills, and today, They're still dancing that session. Then another dance became very popular, which was a Scottish dance, really, called the Gay Gordons. And today, any Irish hall you go into, or Scottish, whatever, they'll dance the Gay Gordons. But other than that, it was Irish waltzes, all songs about Moonlight in Mayo, Tipperary Town, the Galway Shawl, Road to Sligo, all about counties. And you know, the Irish didn't sing too many love songs. They were always about rivers and ridges and mountains and fields, you know. And of course, later on, they got into a few love songs, but uh, My Lovely Rose of Clare and all that. But they're either from history or from some well-known spot in Ireland. And that's what we play.
2: didn't get all dressed up at all you just uh, you wouldn't wear a bathing suit of course but you'd have um, you'd go into the bathroom and put on a dress a dress and shoes and that it wouldn't be flip-flops but it'd be regular shoes and you'd, uh, you'd, you didn't fuss you didn't fuss about it at all it was uh, it was just a fun night and there was very little drinking I guess maybe the people didn't have the money. And I never saw a fight. It was a wonderful, wonderful crowd. And it went on till one o'clock in the morning. And so we spent our Sunday nights in Rockaway. And it was the whole day Sunday, and then we'd come home Monday, and we'd be treating our sunburns.
0: (laughs) By the late 1960s, the Rockaway's landscape literally began to change.
1: There was a rumor, it was owned, a lot of it was owned by the city, so there was a rumor that every year was the last year, which was a good excuse not to do any repairs or painting, and that's the way it was, you know?
0: The rumors became reality in 1968. Urban renewal projects, the same federally-backed schemes that decimated the neighborhoods of Boston's West End and New Haven, Connecticut, Wrought the wrecking ball. Most of the successful bar and hotel owners who hadn't already consolidated their interests in New York's other Irish getaway, the Catskill Mountains, pulled up stakes and left. Yet Irish music continued to be heard in the rockways through the 1970s and 80s, some of it traditional, some of it a newfangled blend of Irish country and Western, and some Remnants of the show band sound that pervaded Ireland in the nineteen sixties and seventies, like the Noel Henry showband was
4: the gall was
1: early early all in the morning. I hit the road Barrow Donigone says she goodbye, sir. She cried and kissed me but my heart remained with the Galway shore
0: she wore... By the 90s though much of the music took on a harder edge Black 47 whose original songs infused older Irish tunes with hard rock reggae and other elements led the way
5: a rock, and the head is beaten like a drum In the cold daylight I feel like shite And I can't remember last night's fun Then the foreman says, come on now boys, stick your fingers down your throats and get to work I wish to Christ I'd stayed home last night Instead of drinking in America I knock down walls with big iron balls And I mix cement by the time With my tongue hanging out for a bottle of stout Sweating bullets in a Brooklyn sun Then I think of her Up on Kingsbridge Road Did she mean what she said?
0: 47 disbanded just a few years back, but that harder edge continues today through the likes of Shillelagh Law, the Dropkick Murphys, and most recently, Hellcat Maggie. Rock, The lead singer of Hellcat Maggie explains how she found herself in the Rockaways.
4: We played in Saratoga Springs at um, a bar restaurant called Harvey's Irish Restaurant. And um, we were playing on on the patio upstairs and we had this crowd that was there the whole time. And these guys were like, you guys should play the Rockaways, the Rockaway Irish Festival. And at that point, I I didn't know anything about the, the Rockaways. Or at least the Irish festival. I've known about the Rockaways because I'm from Long Island. But as far as the you know going to this Irish festival, they they were like you'd be perfect for it. I expect Hellcat Maggie to definitely be back at the Rockaways next year, mainly because the entire uh, Ancient Order of the Hibernians absolutely loved us and they were all there.
0: That's it for this episode of the Dancing at the Crossroads podcast. Before we go, we have quite a few programming notes. You heard Glenn Miller and his orchestra playing Danny Boy. Patty Noonan played the Stack of Barley and the Siege of Venice. Dear Old Dublin Bay was performed by the McNulty family. Dorothy Hayden's Irish Hour was provided by NYU's Archives of Irish America. Patty Noonan's interview was conducted by Peter McKiernan and recorded by Michael Rossi. And Downey's interview was conducted by Kevin Ferguson and recorded by Michael Rossi. Michael Coleman played the Tarbolton reel. Joni Madden and Cherish the Ladies performed at the 2015 Catskill Irish Arts Week in East Durham, New York. Cod Liver Oil was performed by the Flanagan Brothers and Charles Bender. The Emigrant Irish Boy was performed by Mary and Mickey Carton. Shoe the Donkey was performed by Matt Cunningham. The Noel Henry Show Band performed Galway Shawl. Tom Fitzgerald and Don Gallagher performed a selection of reels. Brendan Ward and his orchestra performed Come Back, Patty Riley to Bally James Duff. And special thanks to Brendan Ward for providing that original recording. Living in America was performed by Larry Kerwin and Black 47. Going Home was written by Kelly Rock and performed by Kelly Rock and the band Hellcat Maggie. Additional recordings by Doug Gordon, Mike Koenig, Daniel Simon, Stefan, and Coops.